1: Now, if you had a child and you told him to do something, whether it's to take out the trash, wash the car, empty the dishwasher, whatever it might be, and you told him to do it, you, you know they have the ability to do that. You've taught them how to do that. You've empowered them to do that. And they then came up with 15 reasons why they wouldn't do it or couldn't do it. How would that make you feel? First you'd be you'd grieve, you'd feel sorry, you you'd wonder what's going on, and then maybe there'd be a little bit of anger in this thing because you told them to do this and now the bottom line is this. They simply disobeyed you. And really when you move into disobedience, you're now swimming with sharks called rebellion. You're rebelling especially if you know to do it and for whatever reason you're trying to make reasons of why you're not going to do it, you're now swimming with sharks of rebellion. So in your own mind, think. This is something that I need to be very much a part of. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's a commandment from the Lord that this is something that we should do and how powerful that is. Now let's go to number three. The third reason we should consider making him known is because the church will grow it is God's will that will happen. I love it. It is God's will that will happen. Look at the verses we have here for you. These are great verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now, why does God give the increase? Why? Very simple. Because growth is God's will. Look at the next verse. And not holding, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. So increasing is from God. Why should we grow? Because it's God's will that we grow. And then I like the last verse, Matthew 16, 18. And Jesus said, I will build my church. Who builds it? Jesus builds it. Why does he build his church? Because growth is God's will. Look up here for a moment, if you will. We have here in this church, we are a body. We're not an organization. We're an organism. An organism is designed by God to be healthy he provides what's necessary to be healthy and when we're healthy then growth becomes a natural thing we don't have to force growth we don't have to make growth it normally will happen I've shared a little while ago but we've got a couple of these hanging baskets of tomatoes that we've, we've done Is upside down tomato baskets and we Carol got these things out of little seeds and we put the little seed in there and it's grown and now we've got some fruit we've eaten some of these beautiful tomatoes on there the birds and probably some rats got some of the others but They're just kind of out there. Now, some plants are really growing leaps and bounds. And we're so excited. We're going to be gone for about two and a half weeks on this mission trip. And there's a couple people that are going to stay in our home. I don't want to embarrass them right now. I don't have their permission to tell you who they are. But they're going to stay in our house. Do you know what they're going to get? They're going to get delicious tomatoes. They're still about this big and they're green. But by the time we're done, we've done the work and they're going to eat the fruit. So they're going to have a great time with those tomatoes. Now, I have to tell you, we are sharing that testimony Do you know, Stephanie, now I can tell you this story because she's in the mainland on that mission trip. She came to Carol about two weeks ago before they left and they took pictures of the same tomato plants that Carol put on, on on the lanai for all of you to take home to grow. When she showed us the pictures, her tomato plants were five to eight feet tall. They were huge. Stephanie said she had to get so far back to get the whole tomato plant in there to get a picture of this thing. She's so proud of those tomatoes. It's such a huge tomato plant. The only thing is, here it is, she doesn't have one tomato on her plants. So I'm wondering, we could fill this church with people. But I wonder how much spiritual fruit, a changed life, because here's what's going to happen. Listen, and I'm not busting on Stephanie, you know that. But let's say those plants never produce a tomato. There's no seeds. Eventually those tomato plants will die and there's nothing left. Our little ones may not be a big tomato plant, but we got some of the juiciest red tomatoes and you put some little salt and pepper on that and you bite into that and it looks like you just got blood flowing down. you. Just, that's ugly, isn't it? And you eat that. So we might not have big plants, but we got big fruit. And so God here says, I'm more interested sometimes in the fruit that you're producing than how many people you can pack into concrete and glass. But that fruit only comes when we allow him to grow us when we're spiritually healthy. So do you have any sin that somewhere has creeped into your life? Is there any, so to speak, bug of Satan that's chiseling away your intimacy with God, chewing it away? Where that now, God says, I want you to grow. You you should grow. You can grow. you got my spirit in you. You're part of my family. You can grow. You can grow. But you've got something that's just hindering you. I don't know. But it's God's will that we grow. Now, there are some unbiblical excuses for not wanting to grow. You can talk to some people in some churches. They say, you know, God's not interested in numbers. Well, there's one whole book of the Bible that's called what, Everyone? Okay, and you know, of course, the Lord never knew how many disciples he had, did he? Sure, he did. He had 12. Now, I know one was a rummy, but he had 12. Judas, rummy, all right? He had numbers. So, yes, numbers are somewhat important because it's a bit of accountability. It helps us to know and identify people and where they are in all this journey. So, we have to kind of count some. But we're not driven by numbers because, listen, if I want to draw a crowd here, in this, right here on our property, I can tell you how I can draw a crowd on Sunday, I can blow up a building and have fire everywhere. Everybody would stop and they'd come over and look. But that's not what God wants us to do to draw a crowd. He wants us to produce disciples. And that's all part of it. Here's another excuse you hear. Our church wants quality, not quantity. Now that does sound pretty good. We do want quality. And we would like a little bit of quantity too. Let me ask this question. How many of you come from a family that there are three or more of you as a brothers and sisters? How many of you come from a family that there are three or more? Would you raise your hand? Let me look look, look at the big families we have. Okay. Let's say you go out camping, maybe over at Bellows, and it's now time to pack up and you've got the car loaded and you look at all your kids and you have three kids, but one, two, oh, we're missing one. Well, that's okay. We got two and we'll just have quality, okay? And how, how, you know, we all joke about that, but how would you like to be the one that they left behind? It is about quality, but it can also be about quantity too. Because it's not about us four no more shut the door. And the last one is large churches are impersonal. And here's my response to that. You're right. They could be impersonal. But I will also tell you this. That sometimes large churches become large, it's not because they're impersonal, but they have found a biblical mechanism where that people somehow, in the largeness of it all, still feel community or touched or connected with other people. So some people say we have to grow smaller while we grow larger. See how that works? And that's part of the mechanism that we're working on here. Yeah, we hope that God would give us growth, but we also want to have the connectivity of our what are those groups called again? Connection groups. That's what we want to do. That's all part of the game. That's all part of the plan. That's all part of the procedure. That's all part of God's book right here. Now, I don't know about you, but some of our local people, do you know where the Hawaiian restaurant for Hawaiian food called Ono's is? Does anybody know where that is? In Raise your hand. You know where Ono's is? Okay, Ono. By the way, you people that are visiting guests... Ono oh doesn't mean, oh no, it's horrible. Ono oh means, mwah, good, all right. Now, that little restaurant, when you drive by it, when you look at it, you think, I bet that thing's loaded with rats and bugs and everything. It's not fancy. There's nothing fancy about this place. But you will find that when people want to eat at that restaurant, They've got to park all over Kapu... Not all over, but way down the road to get a parking place. The line is out the door. Famous people, actors and actresses and politicians and sports people that come to the island, they hear about Ono, and they got to go eat at Ono. Not because Ono has the best facility, like some of those big uh, Waikiki hotel restaurants, but it's because they have the most Ono food that's possible. See, that's part of us growing. I want to have good facilities because some people are attracted And see if we can't take care of, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. If we can't take care of what God's given to us in facilities, how can we take care of their children in their spiritual walk or their teenagers as they're set out on life's highway with purpose and calling? And so the part of it is that, but it can't only be that or all of that. I uh, read something about Walmart. I discovered something very interesting about Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart. He had a vision, he had a goal. And here's what it was. I found out that his goal, he wrote it down, was to capture the consumer market of America. Let me say it again. The goal of Sam Walton was to capture the consumer market of America. Now my question to you is this. Do you think he has? How many of you have been at least one time in a Walmart or Sam's? Would you raise your hand now? Okay, now look at your hands. Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you got a dirty hand, or you just don't want to be seen that you shop at that uh, high-dollar store. All right. Now, here's the rest of the story, though. When he had this vision that he wanted to capture the consumer market here of America, he started with one little store in a place called Roger, Arkansas, 1962. Just five years later. I've only been on the island four and a half, maybe, years. Five years from then, in that little town of Arkansas and the surrounding communities... He had 24 stores and it reached an income of $12.6 million. Now let's fast forward it to 2005. I have no idea what it is now, but 2005, it has now reached to $312 billion with 3,200 stores in America. Now when I think about that, here's what it tells me. He had a vision, he had a plan, he had a purpose. A lot of it was connected to quality service, good products at an inexpensive price, putting it out in the community. He had all that together, but he said this, I'll start with one, then I'll branch, and then I'll go all over the country. And what I'm told now is that Walmart is not only an American institution, but it is becoming an institution all over the world. Now, why am I telling you that? Well, here's a man that had an entrepreneurial spirit that just took it and went with it. Can you imagine what one man, one gal, one couple would do with a spiritual entrepreneurial spirit for the gospel empowered by the Holy Spirit with a book that's the best book ever written because it is God's mind on paper on how to reach people and since it's God's purpose, listen, listen don't you think God will unleash all of his resources to help us to do what he's asked us to do? Sure he will. Sure he does. Sure he has. And we can be a part of that. So it just takes one or two of you to get together and say, I want to reach those people. And I want to reach this part of the island. And I want to go to the next island. I want to make sure there's a sound, clear Bible preaching and teaching church in all these islands. And I'm not going to be satisfied with Hawaii. I'm going to look at all those little dots of islands all over the Pacific, mid and South Pacific. I don't want to be satisfied with that. I want to go to all the little nooks and crannies all over the world. Why? Watch, watch, watch. For God so loved the world that any should perish, he didn't want. And so I want to know, what's beating in your heart? Is it a heart with that spiritual entrepreneurial spirit to reach people for Christ? So where do we do all of this stuff? All right, very simple. Where do I make it known? I'm going to make it simple for all of us right here. I'm going to reduce it to something that's so simple but so biblical, and that is to wherever you are. Now, we talked about missions a couple weeks ago that some have a special calling to leave America, perhaps... And then go to a foreign country and engage there and allow that to be their headquarters for world evangelism. That may be you. In fact, I hope it is some of you. But now let's talk about those who are not especially called to go do something in a foreign field. So where do you do mission work? You do it right where you are. I remember one time I was speaking of all places, Houston people. I was speaking in Katy, Texas. And this uh, uh, police officer and his family gave me a room to sleep in. I, I, When you're young and you just start as a preacher boy and you're starting to travel and speak, they don't ever put you in a hotel. They put you in somebody's home. And I didn't just get a bedroom to sleep in. I got their daughter's room to sleep in. Now relax, she wasn't in the room. But it was one of those eight-year-old daughters that has one of those frilly little rooms... And I'm in this room here and I got a canopy bed and I got Barbies all around me. And I said, (laughs) I'll never forget this. I I had to make sure I didn't have lipstick on in the morning when I woke up. I'm looking all over this place right here. And as I'm now turning the light out, I see a little girly thing over here on the side. It said, bloom where you're planted. You know, God used that little thing in that girly room. Bloom where you're planted. And it went into my subconscious as I'm drifting off into, you know, sleep, never, never land. And boom, bloom, 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 bloom where you're planted. That means wherever you are. So listen carefully. If you're in Honduras, you happen to be there, you give the gospel. If you're in Honolulu and you're there, you give the gospel. If you're in Houston, you give the gospel. If you're in Afghanistan, you give the gospel. If you're in Aiea, you give the gospel. If you're in a place maybe that's a little bit further away, like maybe Korea, you give the gospel. Or Kailua, or Kaneohe, or Kapahulu, or Kulioho. Wherever you go, you give the gospel. You know why that verse that says, go and make disciples of all nations? Technically, it says, as you go, where you go, when you go, wherever you're at, you make disciples. So wherever you go. Tonight, we're going to go to a luau with some of the folks I remember we had another group in. I took them to the Luau. And I'm sitting there. We've seen the Luau. We've seen, all... Ate, ate the food. You know, we know how it's going. But I'm excited about the people. But sitting across from me were some people. And of course, I always ask this question Where are you from? What do you do? Is there any church near where you live? And of course, we're off and running. So I started that with a couple in front of me, but I didn't think I was going to get very far because she said, I'm from China. She was one of the few that came in from, Ch- I'm from China. I said, Really? I said, We've got some neat Chinese people in our church. You know, And she lights up, really, really? I said, and one of my favorite missionaries, you know the missionaries? Uh A missionary was Hudson Taylor. And he loved the Chinese people. He gave me a love for Chinese people. And he went there because he wanted them to go to heaven when they died. And his name is Hudson Taylor, and he was inland China in a place called Ningbo. And this lady says, Ningbo, Hudson Taylor, my great-grandparents were led to the Lord by missionaries with Hudson Taylor. And I thought, oh, they're already saved, you know? So we kind of go into this little deal here. Another luau, sitting at another table, and there's a people over here, and we got halfway through this deal, he looked at me and says, you're a preacher, aren't you? Now, I hate when they do that, because I want to know, what what, what did I do to make you think I was a preacher, you know? And... uh, and she says, you, you had to be a, you're a minister, aren't you? I said, yeah, I happen to, well, let's just say this way. I love telling people how to have eternal life by just trusting Christ. So it's more about that than being a title. And she said, I'd like to know more. So I told her more. She said, I'm a part of, and I don't want to mention a denomination, but it's certainly not one of ours. She says, do you know why we're here? Because we're looking for a place to do mission work to help people with their facilities. I said, I have a card. <laughs> you know? Wherever you are, you bloom where you're planted. As you go, you make disciples. That's how simple this whole thing is all about. It's not more complicated than that. It's wherever you might be. And I pray that our church would see themselves as seeing an an opportunity to share the gospel. Last I wanted to throw up on the screen, if you can. Were we able to do that bird? I don't know if it was able to. Did you get the bird on there or not? See if it is it on there? No, it didn't get on there. Okay, sorry about that, folks. I'll tell you this story, then we'll be done. I promise. This is a cool story because it it touches the heart of our local people. There is a bird that shows up on our island in March, usually in the spring. Now I'm not a what's the word? I'm not a ornithologist. Okay, I'm not a, a, a Autobonist or whatever. A, a, whatever that is. I just read, and they say this bird. And you know what it's called? A Hawaiian. A Hawaiian wedge-tailed shearwater? water? Am I doing it right, guys? Nod, say something. Is that what it's called? A Hawaiian wedge-tailed shearwater? water? Where's, where's our people who are bird people in here? It's a bird, it's a bird. okay. <laughs> but we call it Hawaiian, but actually this bird lives in Central America. And it makes that long flight from Central America over all that water to come here to have babies or birdie, baby birdies or whatever they're called. And so this thing has these little baby birdies and they feed them and they get them real strong and we try to protect them from dogs. You know what I'm saying. And so they grow. So what do they do? So they can fly all the way back to Central America. Now they do all of that to protect their young. And that's what we do here at church is we want to be healthy. We want to protect her. We want to reproduce. And watch this. And we want to go away in a sense to share the gospel with other people. Now making them known is real simple. We do it simply, because it's God's will. We're told to do this kind of stuff, and we really love him. How about you? Have you trusted Christ as your savior yet? Are you in the boat? Do you know Christ? Has He been made known to you? Here's where you are. I'm lost. I cannot get out of this condition by my good works or anything I do myself. Jesus is God, the only God. He died and rose again. And so because He says that if I place my faith in Him and He is a God who cannot lie, I believe that to be truth. And now I am trusting Him to forgive me of all sin. And Jesus then says, come on in. You might say that's too simple. For us it probably is. But with God it cost Him the death of His only Son. That's the Savior. That's the grace, that's the mercy, that's the forgiveness. About Him we want to make known. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know this message is a message that's truly embraced by those that come from Canada or Texas or Florida or maybe another country that might be visiting with us today. doesn't matter. But it's the only message that we should embrace when it's talking about making you known, Lord. And so now help us. I pray that if there's any in here today, here we are talking about making you known. Evangelism, what we do. And then we don't give that person who's in our midst today an opportunity to trust you. Lord, that's a travesty. And so right now, Lord, I pray that as you're convicting them of their need for salvation because they're a sinner, that they now would turn toward you. They would change their thinking, thinking that they could save themselves. Or that they're good enough already, and they would now realize that they are lost. They are drowning. They only have just maybe the present breath that they have before eternity to trust you. And I pray that they're doing that right now. And the Lord knows I'm pausing from that time of communion with Him, and I really was praying for you and really talking to the Lord. But I want you to have one opportunity now to trust Christ. And I'd like to now bring you into my closing prayer. Now I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward or I'm not going to embarrass you. Trusting Christ is done on the inside only to get into heaven. Anything on the outside is post-salvation. It's something you do to celebrate. Like when you get a gift, you go tell everybody you got the gift. But right now, you don't have to tell everybody about the gift until you get the gift. So you got to do that by just receiving it. So right now in your own heart, would you call upon the Lord to be your Savior? Would you simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And right now, I'm trusting in you, Jesus Christ, for the full forgiveness of my sin. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. I won't mention your name in my prayer. I won't embarrass you in any way. But if today, right now, where you're seated, you're receiving Christ as your Savior. Because you've placed your faith in Christ. You've never done it before. You only do it once and today's the time not by good works by faith alone and you'd like for me to pray for you would you slip up your hand put it up put it down real quick right now wherever you are anyone at all anyone at all put it up put it down okay Christians how about you you heard a message that God laid on my heart it's a message I don't think you would say I didn't know that most of you would say, I, I heard that, I know that. But was today a day to, to maybe bump you a little bit, to move you forward and making him known? Because evangelism is what we do. And you'd like for me to pray for you? I, and I'm just going to, a general prayer. You and the Lord are going to sort this out, you're going to see where you are. You want to make sure that you are exalting the Lord, that you are involved in participation. You can take care of all that, but you'd like to have prayer because you know that through this morning's message, you want to be different. You want to think different, feel different, and act differently than when you came in. Based on this message, you are engaging with God right now based on what you've heard. And you'd like for me to pray for you because you and the Lord are going to do business now. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Put your hand up. Put it down. Amen. Amen. I see a bunch of hands out there. Now again, whether you put your hand up or not, the Lord is looking at your heart and he sees what it is. For some of you, you might say this, I will be sensitive to other people's needs this coming week. That's all, I'll be sensitive to their needs. Others of you might go to the next level and say, I'm going to reach out to people around me in some measure to speak forth the message. I'm going to probe them at least with salvation. And then finally, I'm going to commit to sharing God's love and forgiveness to someone around me. I don't know who it is just yet. Lord, you'll have to bring it into my life, bring him or her into my life. But Lord, I'm willing to do it. And I'd like to have some prayer now. Now I'll pray for you. Is there anyone at all? All right. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to a close right now, I pray that if there's any here that haven't trusted you as Savior or who might be listening on our podcast or on radio, that Father, that they would make that eternal decision because Father, they will die. Physically, they will die. And after that, there's no hope for a change. They're sealed into eternity. And so, Lord, I pray they trust you as their Savior. Then I pray for the rest of us here that we would be a part of making you known because evangelism is really for your glory and in your power what we do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you and remember to make it clear.